Hey everyone, uh, welcome to This Week at the Start. I'm Patrick. And I'm Nick. This week we're with designer Wells Riley. Um, it's probably one of my favorite episodes, mainly because of its correlation to a really awesome documentary called Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Uh, Wells is a guy that respects the craft the same way that Jiro, the main person in the documentary, does. Um, Jiro respects the food that he buys, he respects the way it's prepared, and he really takes time and consideration to the people that he serves. You can see the same traits in Wells based on how he talks, based on the work that he does. You can tell that he is satisfied by the details and he sweats over it. And that's what really makes him a unique designer. Uh, we really, really love this episode. We hope you guys too. This is the start. Uh, welcome to the start. Hey, great to be here. Thanks, guys. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, man. Um, it's it's uh, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, and <laughs> Wells. Apparently, he's he's. Um, I wouldn't. I don't know. Road warriors, the term, but you're dude, <laughs> committed. We appreciate it. Yeah, um, of so how how was your week, dude? It's a Saturday. Uh, I hope everything went well this week. I hope your Memorial Day weekend's gonna be fun. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's been a busy week. Um, I, you know, I, I got work and then I've got the work that I've inflicted on myself in my side projects and um, it's, it's weird. Like when, when I started out, I guess when I first moved here, like I, I didn't really have any expectations of what it would be like, but mm-hmm. um, I, I started, you know, like I would get frustrated that something didn't exist or I'd be like angry that somebody didn't understand like like design for example so i just started making shit and uh, that's nice that's awesome so. <laughs> where where do you where do you live at on the west coast um i'm in san francisco oh sweet that's cool um so well then it sounds like you were pretty pretty quick into self-inflicted mm-hmm. uh, side projects as you call them yeah <laughs> <laughs> cool so uh why don't we jump right into it why don't you tell us um who you are, what you do, and uh, and sort of where it all began. Sure. So uh, my name is Wells Riley. Um, I'm a designer, and uh, the type of design I do is constantly changing. Um, I'm having a very hard time deciding what to call myself. Um, for the last couple of years, I've called myself a product designer, um, but I suppose like interaction designer or... Um, like visual designer uh, or front-end developer also suit me. Um, I, I haven't found a word that describes all of those things yet, but I'm constantly searching. Um, so I, I'm a consultant. I, I work with my uh, wonderful team here at Collective Ray. Um, so we make mobile apps and websites and web apps uh, for um, you know startups and larger companies and uh, just you know, people trying to test things out. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Um, I also, as I mentioned before, do a bunch of side projects, uh, stuff like uh, like hack design, which teaches 
programmers and non-design people, um, the basics of interaction design and, and visual design. Um, and I've been doing it for way longer than I think I have. <laughs> um, so so I, I think I got my first copy of, of hmm. Photoshop um, back in like sophomore year of high school or something, back like version like three or version four or something. And was it uh, unofficial or was it a bootleg? I feel like it's always a bootleg. Oh, come on. It's always a bootleg. It's like the, <laughs> the, the rite of passage for any designer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, right? for sure. <laughs> which version of Photoshop did you steal first? Well, I think um, it's the it, – it's like this is really a bad association. But you know how there's always like the gang association uh, initiations? Like your design initiation is to steal Photoshop. <laughs> That's, that is really good. I'm going to use that. Um, yeah, I, exactly. I have friends at Adobe, and I'm going to actually uh, – I'm going to forward that one over to them. I think they'll yeah, like dude. it. Yeah, do it. But yes, mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's, I've actually given considerable thought to how and why I'm, I'm where I am right now. Um, and of course, you know, I, I, I went to design school. I'm, I'm a classically trained graphic designer. Um, where, but even, where'd you go? I went to Northeastern, which is uh, over in Boston. Um, but it's, it's weird. Like I, I was watching, I guess it was like some, some random talk I found online, and this guy was talking about his story. And his story was amazing because, like, he, he had, like, this cool dad who was really into tech, and uh, his dad's friend was, like, lived on the other side of the country but would visit every week and, like, blow this kid's mind with, like, cool technology. And, like, they built, like, a ham radio and stuff from scratch. And... I was like, wow, that's really amazing. I don't have a story like that at all. I'm just some random kid from the suburbs. And I thought more about it and like, why am I so mm-hmm. interested in technology when neither of my parents are and no one else in my family is? Like I'm that, you know, the kid who in back in my more naive years would fix everyone's computers. Um, like how did I get to mm-hmm. that point mm-hmm. even when I really wasn't exposed to it at all? And I realized that, um, I guess I, I started watching Star Trek by mistake when I was like seven years old. What do you mean by by mistake? <laughs> well, all right, here I we mean, go. What what seven year old watches Star Trek: The Next Generation reruns on like <laughs> public access TV? You know, That's like true. it's. I, I I personally think it's unusual because I've encountered so few people who are like devout members of the the church of Captain Jean-Luc Picard. (laughs) Um, But I was in love with this show as a kid. It was crazy. (laughs) Like um, I never watched it in order because it was just whatever was on that day. And like there was an episode every night on this channel. I think it was like WB or something. And I just watched episode after episode after episode. Mm -hmm. And I loved the, like the technology aspect of it. I loved like watching the transporters and like people getting, you know, like screwed up with phasers and all this stuff. And like the, the storytelling and the, um, like the personal messages sort of came later for me as I rewatched it when I was older. But back then it was all just about like the eye candy of like, wow, that ship looks amazing. Or like, wow, I really wish I could talk to a computer. And I realized that it's like, Oh wait, I do have a romantic story about why I'm interested in technology and design. It's because I watched this amazing show as a kid that totally transformed my life. 
Yeah. Um, that that's amazing. And you know what's funny about it too is like is if you look back, the amount of technology that was on Star Trek and the type of stuff they were doing, I mean, we're here, we're there, you know, at least a lot of it. That is, it's just crazy to see how like those predictions, like from the past and all that, how much of it is like, um, yeah. how much we're actually doing today. And, we are um, talking to computers. It's funny because you know? I, I realized like, okay, the reason that I love design and technology is Star Trek. It's like, okay, that's it. Wait, why was I even interested in Star Trek to begin with? And I thought back farther. It's like, and why now the, I... the onion is just keeps getting peeled back. Exactly. This is my amazing story. Where it's like I'm trying to like rack my brain for why, like why was I so in- into technology when I shouldn't have been. Like that, it shouldn't mm-hmm. have happened that way. Um, and I remembered mm-hmm. uh, there were these books that my parents had. Um, well, they weren't for them. They were, they were books that they bought for us. And I don't know if it was like on purpose or if they just picked whatever was there. Um, but there were these two books. One of them was like this like science, um, like science experiments book from the sixties that had all these really great illustrations in it. And I would just stare at that book for hours trying to decipher like, what the hell is this experiment for? And like, I'm four years old at this point. Like I'm staring at like, they're doing like, like air pressure tests for kids like where you build like your own homemade barometer with like a balloon and a jar and a, and a straw. And like, I'm staring at it like, okay, I understand that there's a jar and a balloon mm-hmm. and a straw, but like, what the hell is air pressure? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's I'm wild. Just like, your brain just doesn't have enough knowledge that's, to understand yeah. what these experiments are even for. But I probably read the book maybe like a thousand times. Did you, uh, <laughs> did you go through and try to do these experiments yourself or was no, it more just like mental years old, like couldn't even hold a crayon <laughs> properly. Um, <laughs> but it's just, this book fascinated me and I don't really know why. Um, and actually the last time I was at my parents' house, I found the book and I stole it and I brought it back to my apartment here in, in San Francisco. Um, and I'm going to keep that thing forever. Um, you, you should frame it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I might I might frame it and then when I have kids I'll be like children I have something very important to show you. Yeah. Uh, this is probably, where it all began. <laughs> yeah, they'll probably proceed to tear it to shreds, but um, yeah, it's but, weird how like random stuff that like my parents just had maybe like they found it like a tag store a tag sale or maybe uh, like one of their parents gave it to them like it's had like this profound impact on me by mistake. Um, and it set this whole like ball rolling that eventually led to where I am now. Yeah, that's it's um, it's the small stuff, man. It's um, I don't know. It's like your really polite art teacher. I'm I'm just using various examples now. Um, who was always just she didn't really push you in any way. She was just always really nice, and that sort of you know got the itch. And in this way, I mean, you said it yourself. Your parents just had some stuff laying around, and you found it super interesting. Did you? Yeah. So. At this point, you're like four or five years old, and you're like, for whatever reason, really intrigued with this stuff. You don't know what half of it is, but you just find it amazing. What um, did you, I mean, I don't know how to phrase this. As a four-year-old, you don't really make a conscious decision that this is going to be your life path, but I'm sure it influenced, influenced you in the future. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of like... Um... Like, you ever see the movie Baby Geniuses? This is like a total tangent. Heck yeah. Heck so, yeah. So, you know, the, the kids, you know, they're, they're, they're smarter than their mm-hmm. parents, but then when they hit, 
like that certain baby age, they lose all of their memory and they just become babies. Like, I think that's what happened to me. So like (laughs) I I had all of this wonder and all of this like interest (laughs) in like these two like really crazy books. Um, Oh, I forgot to mention the other book. So there's this, there's this uh, children's book that I like, it was just full of like architecture for mice like the, like the whole storyline was this little this lady would like uh she would do like interior design for the various like creatures of the forest and oh that's cool they would just be pictures of like like uh like for the for the mole like she did uh like this like underground like bungalow thing and then for like uh like a sparrow she did this giant like super like like mid-century modern like treetop villa thing um and I, my parents don't have the book anymore. I don't know what happened to it, uh, but I looked for it on Amazon, and the book is five hundred dollars. And apparently, it's a major collector's item because it was some sort of crazy, like avant-garde, um, like impossibly complicated and artistically found, sound, like book that was for some reason made for kids. Um, <laughs> so I don't know how my parents had this book. I don't know wow. like, if it was like like divine providence that like somebody placed the book, you know, like, like secret, like Hogwarts stuff, like in my parents' house. <laughs> um, but I really want this book and I don't know where to get it for not $500. Your parents don't have it anymore. <laughs> no, it's gone. I don't know what happened to it. I probably ruined it at some point, but yeah, like, I, I friggin' sp- loved this book. Or it just, dis- or it just disappeared oh, that, just that, as yeah, it dude, magically was placed there in the first place. There's like, um, you know, like the Shield group in Iron Man or whatever. They always, mm-hmm. it's like Samuel Jackson. There's like that, except the design version. And they, you've been like the prophet that they've been searching for all along. They left this book, Maybe. and that was that was the key to the universe. And you lost it. Damn. <laughs> it does sound like such a cool like the visuals in that seem really amazing as a child, especially to like get you to think, you know, expand like the way you think about these animals and how yeah. they live. Like it's, but, it's just, it's very cool. Yeah. Like, I, I forgot about be, all like, of really this stuff for the longest time. And like through like elementary school and middle school and high school, um, I was just like a totally normal, like kind of dorky kid that didn't like Star Trek because it wasn't cool. And like, I don't know, I, I was a lame kid in, in grade school, but like, my parents always kind of wanted me to be a doctor, you know, the stereotypical, like, you should be a doctor when you grow up so we can retire. Um, but um, I didn't really have any inkling of what I wanted to do, like nothing. Like there was nothing that I was interested in. And like senior year comes around and like I'm doing Photoshop stuff on the side with one of my friends making websites. Um, but I didn't really Wait, think why about were it. You, why were you making websites with your friend in high school? Um, because I liked computers and I was on this like message board for adults for like tech support, um, that I'm glad you said tech support. Cause as soon as you said message board for adults, I'm like, mm. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> like, you know, there's no tech support, support forums for children. <laughs> yeah. Well, it would be kids talking to kids. How do you fix this? I don't know. I hit it. And then I put spaghetti sauce on it. So that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, like, it was just, like, these, like, random adults, like, trying to get help with, like, why doesn't my Windows 95 computer work? Um, and I was just, like, I had this random computer that I found on the side of the road, and I was working on it, and 
You I legit found a computer on the side of the road? Yeah, totally. And it worked? Um, no, it was horribly screwed up. Um, oh, okay. So I went on this message board to try to fix it because it was mine. Like, I didn't have a computer. Like, my parents had a computer that I was allowed gotcha. to use, but I didn't have one. And this thing was a total bucket. It was terrible. But I learned I so know. much about tech, like, computer, like, repair from this website that it just sort of grew from there. And, um, like, I would just watch other people's discussions, and they were talking about websites. And, like, okay, I want to make a website. That sounds cool. Um, so I just got into it. And... Uh, I guess it was like two weeks before college started where I was like undeclared major at Northeastern um, that I realized like, wait a second, I could do this like full time forever. So I was really interested in doing websites and like, okay, there's no website major. So I'm going to do graphic design because that sounds like the educational version of design. Um, I had no idea what any of it meant. I was a terrible artist. I had never like been like the artistic kid in school. Um, I didn't draw. I didn't make characters. I didn't have mm. really good handwriting. Um, like I was nothing. Like I was never. That's crazy. In that. None of that. And, um, wow. and like I was just that kid that made really like horrible websites back in like two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand four. You know, like the like tables and all that crap. Yeah. Um, What's interesting to me, though, is that and, and this is I mean, it's all retrospect. Right. But it I find it interesting that you were like, well, let me go the graphic design route versus going the computer science route. Yeah. Well, so my friend and I, like when we started doing it, we both sort of had the same level of competency in terms of design and programming. Like we both knew basic HTML, basically no CSS and um, like I had Photoshop and he had like paint shop pro. Okay. Um, and we were talking about it and we were like, well, we don't want to both do both jobs. So let's split it up. One of us is going to do design. The other one's going to do development. And ah. he knew CSS a little bit better than me. And I gotcha. had my cracked version of Photoshop and he didn't have Photoshop. So I was like, okay, I'll do the design stuff. You can do the programming. He wasn't so, initiated. He never, he never, he never made that step. Yeah. So we just started doing it. And like, I learned more about Photoshop because I had to, and I stopped learning about programming because like, shit, that's so hard. I don't want to do it. And he's doing it for me. So we're good. Um, and it just sort of grew from there. And that's why I chose graphic design in college. Cause like that seemed like the logical step from where I was at the when, time. When, when you were working with your, your pale at this point, um, any, projects stick out you know anything that was like pretty cool no you guys made terrible like like real estate (laughs) and i think we did one for the rotary club in like two towns over it was all local Um, stuff yeah it was all just local garbage websites that you know just the stuff you do when you're a kid when you don't really know like there was no back end it was just Mm -hmm. like just static sites um so none of them stand out paying you well Oh no, no, that was terrible. We would charge like fifty dollars to like two hundred dollars, and we'd split it. Um, and back then, it was it was big money because all of our friends were working at uh, like the grocery store, and they were working at. I think one of them was working at like a like a restaurant or like a Taco Bell or something. Um, mm-hmm. So we were making the same like horrible wage that they were making, except we weren't doing the horrible work. Yeah, um, you're doing stuff so, you liked. 
yeah, so we were geniuses because we like escaped, you know, working at like a car dealership, cleaning up like the bathroom. Yeah. Um, in favor of making websites for horrible like people that are trying to cheat children out of like fifty bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> well, when you put it that way, that's the only way to put it. Like a lot of the customers that I had back when I was very very young were unsavory. To, to put it very mildly, like the people that don't want to spend a lot of money are usually the ones that need the most handholding and have the most like input in the work yeah. to the detriment of the product. So I, I don't have fond memories of that other than like the nostalgia of like, this is where it all began. Well, it sounds like it's like it, <clears throat> it's an interesting little thing because the clients who pay the least are the ones who should be paying the most because they require more work. But they also, it sounds like in your regard, maybe they, um, and maybe this is extending it too far because you were a kid um, and you openly said that you you guys, you were doing the best that you could, but it wasn't all that great. Um, it sounds like they didn't respect the work you were doing anyways. They were just like, I think I need this. It's cheap, whatever. And they're kids. Just do it. Um, yeah, I mean, at, at that time, it was like, it was still in, in the world of like, this is like pre Facebook. So everyone's like, Oh, I need a website for my business or like the rotary club needs a website. And even though all of their members are over 80 years old, like they need a website. Hmm. Like, why do you need a website? Like it's just, no, you don't. <laughs> but they knew they needed one because they heard from friends that like, you need a website. Why don't you have a website? Mm-hmm. So they didn't care about the website. They just knew they needed one. So, but like they couldn't go to the store and buy a website. They had to like get somebody to make it for them. So it's like just as stressful and annoying as like calling a plumber or like calling someone to build a deck at your house. It's like, I don't know anything about decks. I don't know anything about contractors, but I don't want to spend a lot of money on my deck and I just want you to finish it and not talk. <laughs> so <And> not talk. <laughs> well, like, you know what I mean? Like pe- people are afraid of contractors. Like, it's, yeah, exactly. Because you you know they're ripping you off, and I put you know no in in quotation marks because you don't value the work and the product as much as they do. Yeah, because they know what goes into it, and like you can apply this to electricians and painting contractors because my dad is a painting contractor, and people who make websites and people who make iPhone apps and people who do like open heart surgery, like you don't have any clue what goes into doing it so you don't like you look at the end product and you assign an arbitrary value to it um and if anything deviates from the value that you just arbitrarily created in your head then um you're you're going to be upset yeah no it's an interesting point it's really hard i mean how much of that is education though you know like were you guys and and i know we're still pre-college or like beginning of college but um were you guys just sort of like all right, we have a new project. Let's make it as fast as possible. Get this out of our hair so we can go play video games, hang out with friends, etc. Or were you guys like, no, like let's try to show them that we're not ripping them off and like try to educate them a little bit? Um, at that point, it was neither. It was like making websites was the thing that we liked doing. So we tried to do them quickly, but we also like we didn't really want to play video games after. We just wanted to like make more websites afterwards. Okay. So um it was it was all right like the work was great and i continued doing it through college 
um, under like an, a brand's name and I hired friends from college to work with my team and um, like I enjoyed doing it. It's just like the learning curve of like how to run a business is very difficult when you're 16 years old. Yeah, um, for sure. So, uh, and, and even like up until the end, like the reason my business failed was because I made a business mistake. Um, not because the designs weren't good or because we ran out of clients. Like it's just, I, I was totally out of my element and the entire time, like even starting in, in high school, is just a constant challenge to figure out like how to keep doing the work without like going broke or getting the IRS on my back. Yeah. When you say, uh, you said it was a business mistake. Are you using that loosely or was there legitimately one moment where it all just sort of crumbled? Um, it wasn't really one moment. It was just, I guess, one like era in my business. Like there was, a, there was a point where we grew, uh, to the point, like, like we went from making websites for the Rotary Club to like making software for startups. Oh, wow. And, hmm. uh, there was a team of six of us instead of just the two of us and two people were remote and we were all in college and none of us had any business experience other than me. So I was doing it alone. And um, we got to the point where we didn't have enough development talent, so we had to contract people. And as a designer, I don't know how to vet a developer to make sure that they're competent. Um, so there were two projects with two separate developers that I found the wrong person, and that person either didn't have any clue what they were doing or was lazy and didn't deliver. Um, so... Like the one good business decision I made was to keep money in the business and not give all all the profits to everyone. Um, so fortunately, we were able to cover those mistakes, um, but only just like after the second one, we were like at like we had like three hundred dollars left. Oh wow! And we, we were Got all it. finishing college, and um, you know I wanted to move to the, the Bay Area, and some other people on my team didn't. Um, so I knew like, you know, like we're just going to end it here without going into bankruptcy and without getting sued. Um, it's like, it was a great run, but we're like, like the band is breaking up. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it sounds like it was, a, and that's okay. It was, it was a very, very easy way to exit. Not, you're not, it's not so much that you quit and that you didn't want to hack it. It was like, okay, let's not burn ourselves again. This is a good, this is a good clean point to like just get out of it and then go start the next chapter yeah it was it was amazingly clean um you know like i didn't want to worry that i had a team of six people who are all making like twenty thousand dollars a year or less right out of college you know that's, that's not fair yeah and you can't expect people to like 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 they didn't want to quit you know they didn't want to say you know like well this is stupid i'm not doing this anymore um, it's hard to do that when you're hiring a bunch of your friends from college. Um, so I didn't want to make it hard on them. I didn't want to make it hard for them to quit. So like I knew I wanted it to end and I was happy to like do it cause I knew that it would be in everyone's best interest. And, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. since, since I was their boss, I was able to give them really glowing recommendations. Um, and they all got really fantastic jobs like immediately after. So that's great. Um, like I, I look back on on my failed company uh, with like sort of like bittersweet memories. Yeah. Um, what was the name? Like lot, 
<laughs> he was called Bionic Hippo. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I like it. And yeah, that was it was chosen in high school because we were sick of looking for a domain name that was available. So we just started <laughs> mashing two words together until we found something. Um, even, it's, even then you were sick of it, and now it's just like impossible. Yeah. Well, now you have like dot business and dot plumbing yeah. and dot graphics. Dot so, bicycle. Yeah, dot bicycle. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of my one of my good friends, Allison House, has Allison dot house. Yeah. Which is, I think, I'm, the best. Yeah, I know who she is. I love best I think, website ever. Like, yep. how, how do you get that lucky that like you go on the internet one day and you see that dot house is available well, and your last and that name is dot is house? Yeah, exactly. And that is your last name. It. <laughs> it's very few scenarios. Like you're never going to meet. Well, you might meet someone whose name, last name is Bicycle, right? Or whatever Ninja and Guru, and they're coming out with all these like random ones. But yeah, I, uh, I was, I fought her and I chat every now and then on Twitter. Nothing really um, personal, just random stuff. But and I like was on her website because she's been releasing a lot of really cool stuff with. Um, I forget what she's doing now, but it's all like the 3D stuff. I forget. Like, yeah, she's uh, using uh, Cinema 4D. I think she's there trying to learn. How to do all that, that cool stuff? Yeah, it's all like a geometry. Uh, it's like geometric based design kind of stuff. Um, yep. And I go there and I'm like, oh, this looks really cool. And then I like, you know, just whatever. You know how you sort of wander. And I'm like, wait a second. The uh, this website used to be Allison House dot something else, right? Dot com or dot co or whatever. And I was like, wait, but this is Allison dot house. I'm like, what? And then immediately I'm like, okay. In my head, I'm like. I know that this exists because she has it, but I still need to go check to make sure I'm not crazy. So I immediately go look and say, oh, Dot House is a TLD that's available now. I was like, that's ridiculous, but mm-hmm. so amazing. It's the greatest, it's the greatest domain ever. Well, Perfect. it's the best last name ever. Like uh, when she sends email, she signs it with the ASCII, like the, like the HTML entity of a house. Like, huh. <laughs> Or like an emoji of a house. Like, how lucky do you get Perfect. that your last name is like a common household item that isn't like dot, like your last name isn't like spoon or like mm-hmm. like plate. That'd be pretty great too. I'm trying to Yo. find the uh, HTML entity of house. Let's see. Ah, I think I found it. Oh god, that's amazing. Yeah, it's uh, just like a like the the outline. Yeah. That's really cool. So I, this is random, but I will, um, most of my stuff is signed PBJ. I'm waiting for someone to make like, actually there might be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich emoji. Cause I would just sign everything that, but it hasn't happened yet. One day. Yeah. There, there's, there's no emoji for, for Wells or Riley, unfortunately. Could you get like yeah. a water well though? It's sort of, sort of the same. Uh, Not really. You could just put like two, it's two wells. Oh God. <laughs> I don't think there is one for a well though. That's that's not not a common yeah that's uh, true. thing that you're communicating to your friends about. <laughs> oh, oh, dude, check out this well that I'm at right now. <laughs> Four square check in at a well. Um, you should do that. That'd be so meta if you did it. It's like you check in at two wells. You go to a place that there's two wells, <laughs> oh, and you're like, God. I'm checking in at me. Holla. All right, I, I have a new I have a new mission. There you go. To check in um, at two wells. Okay. Another new side project yeah, right? to add. So, Bionic Hippo is coming to an end. College is coming to an end. <clears throat> um, it sounds like you definitely knew what the hell you wanted to do, and that that you know you weren't going to change and be like, oh, I want to be a doctor, and then eventually change back to being a designer. 
Um, so what, uh, what was the next step? What was that next chapter, I guess? Um, the next chapter is homelessness and despair. Um, so once like, so I decided to shut down my company when I was visiting San Francisco for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, I came here to sort of feel it out and, uh, Boston has their own startup scene and they're, I don't want to offend anyone or any of my friends over there, but like, you know, it's not as big and like the money doesn't flow as, as freely. So <clears throat> there's a lot less uh, like venture capital funded companies and a lot more like student companies because most of the population of Boston is students. There's like 50 colleges in Boston. Yeah, it's crazy, um, but it's cool. Yeah. So like a lot of companies churn really quickly because like people will leave for summer vacation and like the company didn't take off. So they just shut it up, shut it down. So there's like a wave of startups like every fall and every spring that goes down to like the like water level, like hmm. like sea level at like summer and, and at the end of the fall semester. Um, like never thought about that. There's new companies all the time. Yeah. And a lot of them are just sort of stuck in that early stage spot. Um, a lot of them are even like pre-product but they go to a lot of meetups and they hang out and like they eat pizza. Um, and I loved it. Like I thought, you know, startups are great. Like it's fun to hang out with people. Um, and we all, or at least I always viewed San Francisco as being like, you know, they've, they've got tons of money. Like everyone is trying to be Facebook, you know, they all think they're so great. And I didn't like San Francisco because I didn't like the idea of being in a place where there were so many companies. Like how can you possibly succeed when there are so many other people competing against you? Um, but I, I decided That's to a fair visit thought. and I, you know, I just sort of hung out for a week and just to see what it's like. And I realized immediately that it's not competitive here. Like people aren't fighting each other for startup, like dominance, you know, it's not like game of Thrones of startups. Um, <laughs> it's, we have like, dragons. Oh, yeah, right. I wish I had a dragon. <laughs> but but like they, they help each other and there's no proprietary information and like I can meet with anyone. Like I can get coffee or like I can buy a beer for probably any person that I wanted to hang out with if I had like a legitimate reason to do it. Um other than to just like stare at them for an hour, you know? Yeah. Um and it, you can't do that in Boston because everyone wants you to sign an NDA or everyone like they're too busy or like they're too good to hang out with you. Um, so I loved it here. And the weather, of course, is amazing. And um, people like the strangers are a lot more friendly and like they smile at you. And it totally caught me off guard when I first came here. It's like, hmm. why is that girl on the subway smiling at me? Like, is there like something in my hair? Like, do I, do I look funny <laughs> to her? And I realized that she was just happy. And I went back to Boston and I got on the subway and I was smiling and everyone was looking at me like I was crazy. Like, <laughs> what does he have? Like, like, what's he doing? Like, why isn't he staring yeah, at the ground plotting something with that smile. Yeah. So like, I knew I loved it here. And, um, so after school ended, I, I, you know, I made the call, like I'm going to move to San Francisco and I knew I needed a job. And I didn't have any connections. I didn't know anybody. I wasn't a really great designer. Um, all I had was like this final project I did for my like thesis class, 
which was this website called Startups. This is how design works. And a lot of people oh, saw so it. Oh, that's what it's done. Okay. Um, and people were interested in me because I had made something that went viral. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I used... I had a little bit of leverage with that, but surprisingly not as much as you would think. Um, so I came here and I just slept on my friend's floor for a month, um, literally on the floor, uh, and ate through my savings very quickly because it's very expensive in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, so I was very quickly running out of money, um, interviewing at tons of different places, uh, getting a lot of help from friends, which you know even those companies wouldn't hire me. Because uh, I didn't have enough experience, and like I didn't know how to do programming, and um, like who the hell is this guy? So I finally found a company that like saw the website that I did, and they liked the others. Like they had seen other work that I had done, and they really liked it. Um, so they hired me like that day that I met them, um, and that was Kicksend. And wow. uh, I, I spent two years at Kicksend, and um, you know, really like one of the best teams I've encountered. In, in the Bay Area, and I had a lot of fun working there, but, um, you know, they're, they're not a Mountain View, and I really wanted to be in San Francisco, so uh, I, I made the jump, um, but it was, it was so creepy, like, I was so close to, like, getting to the point where, like, I needed to ask my parents for money to fly back to the East Coast, because mm-hmm. I was down to, like, my last, like, $200, um, like, I, I was almost broke, like, just living on my friend's floor trying to find a job so it was like it was almost like a hail mary but um it's just i I got so lucky that i I found something and i was able to stay here Uh, because if i if i had failed i probably wouldn't have ever come back i would have probably felt pretty sore about it yeah um well it sounds like sometimes hail Hail marys connect yeah well (laughs) it's um the commitment paid off right and mm-hmm. that's i think that's one of the things and it's interesting i th- feel like this happens so i this is a random tangent i listen to a lot of it's called what the fuck with mark Marin. it's a fantastic podcast um he interviews a lot of comedians and actors and they have very very similar stories where they're like you know crashing on uh my friend's couch for four years um trying to do 1 a.m shows at this shitty bar that lets me do stand-up and they, you know, they do that for years and years and years on end. And then they finally break. And stuff just, it sounds like stuff always ends up aligning. It's just the amount of commitment you have for it and resilience you have to see it through. And you, luckily, didn't have to take years to do that. But you're also talented. Um, so that helps. It sounds like some of these comedians aren't that funny. So they just go do acting, which is a different story. But um, yeah. it's, it's wild. Being a comedian has got to be so tough. Like, I, I know from... from listening to other comedians that like comedians are not helpful to each other because they compete so viciously. Oh yeah. Um, so like they'll damage your reputation. They'll make fun of you. They'll find reasons to like not let you on stage. Um, and even when you like quote unquote make it and like you get like a comedy central, like, like feature, like they'll still hate on you and they'll still tell you you're, you're no good. Um, it's, it's gotta be yeah. hell. It's if you uh, if you don't listen to that podcast, I would definitely say check it out. It's interesting because I feel like that happens in, um, or at least what some of the comedians because everyone he talks to now are like they're big people. It's not like random Joe Schmoes. Um, like you know, he talks to Josh Radner of How I Met Your Mother. He talked to Asif Mandiv. He's on The Daily Show. 
Um, so he talks to like relatively reputable folks. But what's interesting is it sounds like once you, at least in uh, comedy, there's a threshold that you reach that that no longer is a thing. So hypothetically, Jeff Foxworthy isn't going to bash on Ron White because at that point they're both, you know, they're both doing well enough that the competition doesn't matter anymore. But, you know, when they were younger and they were still trying to make it, um, they were definitely extremely competitive. And it was like, no, I'm not, don't come to my show. You're going to steal my jokes, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So got a quick question for you, Wells. Um, Throughout your site and throughout these side projects you're doing and um, kind of just this air about you, if you will, I guess, in the way you're writing is, you know, um, too, is this like, passion for quality you know and this this like passion for obviously well-designed um high quality products uh where did that kind of come from i mean have you always felt that way was there a period where you just like started feeling like okay you know i need to hone in on on this you know beautiful high quality design um if that makes sense there's this it, it just feels a little different than others that that we've seen and, and talk about that all want high quality obviously and all uh strive for it but they don't kind of like wear it as a badge like you do <laughs> well thank you um well it all comes from like my my graphic design uh formal training um like from day one uh, i actually have a good story for this uh for like from day one all they, they really try to instill in you is craft um they don't teach you mm-hmm. how to like make really beautiful design work. They don't teach you how to build websites. They don't teach you how to like get really interesting on Twitter. Um, it's all like how well can you execute on whatever idea that you have because we can't help you with your ideas. We can't help you make something beautiful. Like that's up to like your intuition and your training is to like know how to do those things properly. Um, but it's the craft like that really matters because that's something that can be evaluated. It's something that uh, is usually totally horrible when you start out. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember in my, I guess it was my second semester, or maybe it was my first semester. I think it was my second semester. Um, I was taking the sculpture class, and uh, we were, like, the professor was super cool. Everyone liked him. Uh, We were building stuff out of, like, clay and cardboard and... Like, we would laminate sheets of cardboard together and then, like, use a utility knife to sculpt something out of it. Um, cool. And we, we did something with wire. Like, we had to, like, emulate something with, like, a piece of, like, really flexible wire to, like, make it look cool. Um, and I did that, and I spent a lot of time on it. Like, a ridiculous amount of time on it. And I got, like, a B on it, like a solid B. And... I thought I had deserved like at least like an A minus or something. Like, hmm. why didn't I get the A? So I talked to him after class. I'm like, hey, you know, I spent a lot of time on this. I worked really hard on it. Um, but he told me like, you know, it's not very good. Like, hmm. it like technically it's it's sort of pedantic. Like, it's not well done, and the concept itself isn't very good. So you get a B. And uh-huh. it's just sort of like, it was one of the most pivotal moments in my design education because I realized, thankfully, I, le- I realized very early on that like, it doesn't matter how hard you work, it matters whether or not 
the product is successful and whether or not it feels like something that was designed. Um, like if it's poorly executed and like in, in graphic design terms, like if you cut something that, you know, like it's not a straight line or it's like on a weird diagonal or it just looks lazy. Like even if the concept is good, it's going to seem amateurish and bad. Um, and if the idea is bad, good execution can make it better because at least you took enough care to like see it through to the end, even though it probably wasn't the best idea or the best execution of that idea. At least like you didn't half-ass it, you know? Yeah. Well, it um, sounds like it sounds like if yeah. if I were to derive some insights from that, I don't have to, but I'll try. It sounds like it's it's two things. It's um, respect for the craft and understanding that just because you spent 12 hours doesn't mean that it's good. Like good is good. You need to respect and understand what good is and, and learn to appreciate and identify that. And then the other thing is skill. But you, it sounds like you get that skill from doing a lot of work, from failing a little bit, um, from growing and getting those B's and C's to then get the A. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's awesome. I mean, I, you know, I, um, me personally, I've always had this, not always, ever since I started in development, like full time, which is about a year or two ago, um, I always had this sort of fear that my best is not the best, like in, uh, generally speaking. So something that I think I write really well, maybe my job, I think my JavaScript's great. Industry speaking, it probably sucks. So it's like, it's a conflict, right? It's like understanding that you could work as hard as you want and you can do your do it to your best ability, but what happens when that's not good enough? Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, like right now, I'm, I'm getting a lot more into uh, front-end development. Um, so like, yeah, I, I did design only for a long time, and mm-hmm. uh, I was frustrated because I had ideas, and I wanted to build these ideas, but I needed to sell the idea on another person first um, mm-hmm. to get them to be like interested in actually building it. Um, so normally they would either say no or they'd say yes. And then they'd just like peter out before it was finished and it would never get done. Um, so I'd always try to like pick it up where they left off and try to finish it. And then eventually I started learning how to do stuff myself and I started building stuff on my own. And as I got better and better with it, um, I guess, I became more comfortable doing front-end development and I was able to think about like how to create like a Rails project and like all of this other like crazy stuff that I formerly had no idea how to do. Um, and now like at Collective Ray, I'm doing front-end development as well as leading the design team. Mm-hmm. So nice. like, I'm actually doing development for clients and I hope that none of my clients hear this, but like, uh, like I'm, it's like, the meme, like, you know, the dog in the chemistry lab, like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> like, it's, it's scary because I, I do know what I'm doing. It's just, like, I've never coded for money before. Yeah. So. Well, it seems like you got a great team around you, too, though. Yeah, that's true. But, like, it's, it's just stressful because I, like, normally if I do something that's not optimal, I can get away with it because at least it works. But when you're handing something off to a customer that's going to, like, use this code in the future um you have to really take care and like that's where that idea of craft comes in or like Mm -hmm. i've never or like i've tried to think about craft in code but 
the learning curve has made it difficult for me to think about that first and then actually be able to build something second. Um, but now I actually feel comfortable enough that like I know how to write proficiently and I know how to like abstract things enough that like my CSS makes sense and like the way that I structure a page makes sense and like having to make things responsive really helps with that because you can't just like, for example, you can't have like a class that displays like one thing one way because as soon as you make it smaller, you have to change it. Yep. So you have to abstract things out to the point where like it will have to look correct, like no matter what the screen looks like. So you have to be very meticulous and very careful and you have to, I don't want to say scale back, but you have to change the way that you think about the design that was given to you if like you have a PSD or something, because sometimes like what was originally thought of isn't the best execution of the idea. So it's nice that like as a designer that is doing front end development instead of a front end developer who kind of knows a little bit about design, like I'm able to change the way that it works in the development phase um, in a way that will vastly improve the experience, not because the design that was created first isn't good. It's just like, it can't always take into account every little thing. So Mm -hmm. when you start actually working on the system, that's when certain things start popping up that like, wait a second, this isn't going to work or wait a second, what was this supposed to do? Um, So we do a lot of that. And I think it's really constructive and it really like, it's an advantage for us because we we're able to think about things in the development phase as well. So, um, like there's a designer basically every step of the way. And I think that's kind of uh, unique for small companies like yeah. Collective Ray. Well, it helps you as a designer too. Cause then you're like, wait a second, I need to consider how this is going to look across devices, let alone um, a mobile versus tablet. It could just be, how does, how's it going to look between iPhone five and an Android galaxy note five HD, huge mega screen, you know? Yeah, um, totally. Like that's, it's, it's definitely changed the way that I, I do my work. And oftentimes if I'm working on a project by myself, I don't even touch Photoshop anymore. Um, like I'll do it all in, in, uh, in the browser, in, in the browser. And then if I need icons, I'll do them in sketch because the, the, the vector support, uh, I, don't, I try to do everything with SVG if I can. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, like if I need to do like, uh, raster images or like background images or something, I'll, I'll step into Photoshop. Um, Basically, like, I'm not tied to any, like, I'm not religiously connected to any of my tools. I use them, like, where they're most advantageous. Yeah. Um, so I, I like my workflow, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's improving over time. And, like, every time I do a project, I learn something different. But uh, it's it's nice to, like, have that kind of flow where I can just, like, if I have an inkling of an idea, I can just build it and see if I actually like it or not. And then either release it or just throw it away, you know? Yeah, that's really cool. So I want to, we are, um, wow, we're at 50 minutes. It's It feels like we haven't been talking that long, uh, but yeah. we've gone through <laughs> good. a lot of your life. I'm curious. So earlier we talked about some hurdles that you had business-wise, um, sleeping on a floor, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. What would you consider to be a very, very, um, how can I say this? What is a, a success story that you sort of really cherish? Um, well, the, the obvious one is that, uh, startups, this is how design works project. Yep. Um, because 
without it, I don't think I would be the person that I am today. Um, I can say that with, with certainty because I was, I mean, to be honest, I was a nobody. I was just a random design student and it went viral immediately. Like I launched it and I didn't even post it on Twitter. I don't know how anybody found it. It was for like a school project, but I knew I wanted a lot of people to see it. Um, my goal was to get 200,000 views. And up until that point, the most views I'd ever gotten on anything was like a thousand. Um, and I thought that was a lot, but you know, it's not. <laughs> um, and I don't know how it happened, but like the first day I got 77,000 views. Shit. And the next day I got uh, like 60,000 and it just sort of, like it was an exponential curve down from there, but it bottomed out at 3,000 a day. And it hit that bottom out after like three months. Yeah, well, so, three thousand a day is still a lot for a personal, you know, a personal, a small personal project. Yeah. Dude, it's it's ridiculous. Like, and I think it's also become like a bookmarked, you know, go to resource now, you know, for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I put a lot of time and a lot of care into it. I mean, that website took four months to wow. to build, um, and not just the, the development of the site. It was also, you know, like I was like cold emailing random people. Uh, like I was talking to like, like quote unquote idols like Louis Mantia and, and people at Facebook and uh, like uh, Cameron Cozon and Matthew Smith, like all these people that I had looked up to and had no business emailing out of the blue, but they were all so nice and they responded and they helped me. Like they, they looked at the, the uh, PSD that I had done for the website and they were like, dude, this is so fucking confusing. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and like, uh, like Matthew Smith, like he looked at it. He's like, dude, I can't even read this. This is horrible. Wait, this is for uh, the startups one, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so like I'd showed him an iteration of it, you know, way before what anyone has ever seen. Um, but you know, I changed it. I made it better and I showed it to him again. He's like, wow, this is a massive improvement. Like, I can't believe it's so much better. Um, nice. and of course I had my whole, like the, the, thesis class to help me with it too, you know, giving me feedback and, um, I had my professors and it, it took a long time to amass all that information and then actually lay it out. And like, I built my own grid system and, um, oh, wow. like I had never done that before and it, yeah. like it's not responsive and it probably never will be, but, <laughs> um, I, I had to build a grid anyway. Um, and I, I was just blown away when, when, like my, tw I had to shut off Twitter on my phone because less than every second I would get a buzz. Holy shit! Um, and it started at mm. 11 p.m. the night that I had put the website up, and it didn't stop until about a year and a half later. Where like I wasn't getting maybe like between 10 and 50 tweets a day, you know. Wow. So like I my my Twitter like I still get tweets for it, um, and I still get people who like say like Oh, you're that guy who did this thing." Um, so fortunately that's not like my peak. Um, I built hack design with a, a group of my friends as like a, yeah, well, I loved, I, I think that's how I first, so I saw, I started to interrupt, but I saw the startups, this is how design works. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. This is really good. And to be honest, I didn't really pay attention to who made it at the time. I think I was more interested in like, this is a cool site. Um, mm -hmm. and then I saw hack design and I was like, Holy shit, this is awesome. And so useful. I remember, when it first came out, I was like, sign up, do this now. Um, I never really followed through, though, like a loser. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, 
So yeah, the, the startup design site was really great. And then hack design was sort of enabled by that website because I realized that like there were a lot of people who like, there were, first of all, there were a lot of people who didn't know how important design was in their business. Um, so it helped a lot of people there. Um, and I've like, I've gotten stuff from like RISD saying that they're using it in their course material. I've gotten stuff from uh, NBC Universal who like disseminated it through like their marketing team. Um, like there are startup, uh, there are like car insurance companies that I know like have used the website as like a reference. Um, like I don't, I don't mean to like brag, but I know that it has a fundamental impact on the industry. Um, yeah. and for that, I, I don't know how it happens other than like, I know that it was like honest and it was thorough and it was really easy to read. Um, and I guess, you know, it was at the right place at the right time. And it really struck a chord with like, this is right when path was like coming out as being like mm-hmm. this really well-designed product. And Google was just starting to figure out design within their products. Um, like I think people realized that, you know, like having a good designer on the team is, it's not even a competitive advantage anymore. It's just a competitive baseline. Yeah. Like you need it. Otherwise sure. you're behind. Um, and it's then, a- with hack design, like we started getting, or I started getting notes from people saying, you know, like I realize it, I get it. Like design's important. I know, but I don't know anything about it and I don't know any designers. So like, I want to be able to do it myself, but I don't even know where to start. Um, so hack design addresses that problem of like, you know, that you want to learn it and you know that like you're a hacker and you know how to figure things out if you're given a little bit of a push. Um, so hack design is really like the essence of it is just like, we tell you what you don't know, um, and we tell tell to you in the order of like when you should figure it out. So, like if you don't know anything about typography, you should really like if you know that typography is a word and that it's important for the designings, um, but you don't really know what a typography is. Um, we don't teach you how to become a typographer. We teach you how to learn typography. Mm-hmm. So we give you some resources, and then we assume that you're going to figure it out on your own because that's what developers and hackers are really good at. Um, and we structured the whole thing, you know, with developers in mind. So like we started with lesson zero instead of lesson one, just as like a, a nod to, to programming. And uh, like, you don't need to sign up to actually do the whole course. Um, so it's, it's really nice that um, it really resonated with people. And like now, like we're hosting meetups, like I'm, literally going to my meetup after this uh it's hack design and cloud app so cloud app is like sponsoring like they're, they're paying for coffee and pizza and stuff oh that's so cool um, mm-hmm. yeah like it's just you know we've built this community not only on the web but now in san francisco of people who like they're not like super great on dribble and they're not like you know doing their life's best work they're just learning um and they want to be in an environment where they can get feedback and they can talk to other designers that they don't have to worry are going to look down on them because like, let's face it, the design design community is very like exclusionist. Like you need an invite to sign up to dribble. You need an invite to designer news. Like designers love being super exclusive and it's a blessing and a curse. And I think for education, it's a curse. Um, So hack design is very, uh, inclusionary like everyone's welcome you don't need to sign up do whatever you want you can come to our meetups they don't cost any money uh if you are a recruiter and you want to like recruit novice designers like 
go nuts. Like you're going to have a bad time because no one's going to want to talk to you, but you're welcome to come and have coffee. Like we just don't care. So, um, I think it's had a profound impact on, um, like that element of the community that like there are a lot of people who want to learn and who don't have a classical education in design, but like they don't like feeling like they're not allowed to become a designer. Um, so like those I think are my two really big wins is like helping people learn like why my job is so important and why like every designer's job is important because it's like we were talking about with uh, like building websites back in in high school and like with plumbers like you don't know the value of the work unless you actually understand what goes into it. Yeah. So like if a developer doesn't understand why the designer wants things a certain way or why like the work is the way it is like understanding and, and learning that is like it's only a benefit for everyone and it's like the same thing like code academy they're trying to teach everyone how to become a programmer and i think that's phenomenal because if somebody understands what goes into building a good website or what goes into building a, an iphone app or even just like you know the most like, basic stuff like it can only help programmers become more valuable you know yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I, I appreciate that sentiment because I feel the same way. Um, as we are getting near the end, uh, we have three traditional, well, not traditional, but typical questions we ask. And I'll start with the first, obviously. Um, if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, knowing what you know now, um, what what would it be and why? Uh, um, my younger self, I guess it would probably be to like learn programming earlier um, just because I'd always avoided it because it was scary and because I didn't know how to do it. Um, but it definitely prevented me from doing a lot of really great work a lot sooner. Gotcha. No, that's, I, I think there's a lot of people who can um, ad- adhere with that thought. Programming is interesting because we think that it is um, something that, is mysterious and and things that only NASA astronauts and super, super smart people can do. But the reality is, is that is, you know, if you just keep working at it, the commitment and the resiliency, you sort of, you can get there. Yeah. Um, all right. The other question before the secret fun time question is, um, yeah, I could take, and I can take this one. Sorry guys. I was back. No, go ahead. Had a, had a tend to a dog issue as listeners have probably picked up on. As a recurring theme, uh, I have a dog that uh, tends to bark while we're recording. It's because he's so happy we're recording. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thrilled. Um, yeah, so, well, as we have covered, you know, um, a bunch of stuff here, and I'm sure there's a ton of, of great insight for people that are listening, especially newcomers. But what, you know, specific piece of advice uh, would you have for some newcomers? Uh, you know, maybe maybe they're in the stage that you were where they're looking to uh, declare major. Maybe they're not, you know, they don't really have an artistic background, but might be looking uh, into design. So what are some, uh, what's some advice uh, for people like that? Um, that's, that's easy. Um, if you're going to be in like a creative industry, like design or programming, or if you want to work with startups, or basically if you don't want to just be like a cubicle jockey or like a, a manual laborer, like you want to do something that... Uh, you probably are telling yourself or telling your parents that you're passionate about, and I certainly hope that you are passionate about it. Um, you can't half-ass it. Um, you can't coast through school. You can't coast through hack design. You can't coast through Codecademy. Like, 
you need to really want it um, because I think I, I read a statistic many, many years ago that like 1% of the people who go through like the design program at a traditional college will actually get a fruitful and successful job doing the work. Um, that's not really great odds. So if you want yeah, to beat the odds wild. And, and not be doing like uh, newspaper, like, you know, uh, you get like the, the thing from the grocery store. Uh, it tells you like ham is like 30 cents off this week. Yeah, they're like um, there's uh, weekly circulations or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like you have to understand those are not generated by a computer. People do those every week. Yeah. Um, I know people who have done those as like an internship. And I know someone who like got a job offer to do that full time after college. Um, and not to say that that profession is not good. It's just, it's certainly probably not what you're going into school to do. Yeah. Uh, you probably have very large ambitions to like work at a startup or work at a large agency and do work that millions and millions of people are going to see, um, and may touch a lot of people's lives for the better. Um, you can't get there without like doing side projects. You can't get there without like devoting basically your entire life while you're learning to doing it properly um and it really like it, it takes a lot of devotion and it takes a lot of like sacrifice and I, I don't mean to sound like dad you know like you need to sacrifice <laughs> everything but like you really do i mean like i sacrifice going to a lot of parties i sacrifice my free time i just like damaged my relationship with my wife you know like just like there was always like this moment like she like she'd want to go out but I needed to like do homework and I did homework and she understood but it was tough and like going out drinking is way more fun than like <laughs> cutting out yeah. 400 pages of a book with by by hand but right. it's because of those things that I care about the, the work that I do and that I have the experience and like the the talent, because as I said before, like the talent wasn't there. Like I was a terrible artist. I still can't, like my handwriting sucks. Um, like I have to work every second to make sure that I'm on top of my game. Um, and unless you're a prodigy and if you are, then, you know, awesome. I can't wait to work for you someday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like you just, you, you have to give it your all. And if you're not prepared to do that, then seriously consider your profession because you don't want to waste money on design school and you don't want to waste your time like learning something that you really don't want to do. Yeah. No, I think that's valuable. That's really, really valuable, especially mm -hmm. for any youngins that might be listening. Um, so now it's time for the secret fun time question, um, which we do every show. It is not related to uh, your career or anything you've done thus far. It's literally a random question. We have a list. We pick from it. Sometimes we don't pick from that list and we make the shit up. Um, we do have one from the list though that I want to use. We may have used it before, maybe not. You talked about your parents early on and how they had some interesting things. Um, I want to flip that and I, this is nothing bad against your parents because it sounds like they were wonderful people. But if you had to pick two well-known figures to be your parents, who would they be? Now, when I say well-known, it could very well be, uh, someone who is well-known throughout history uh, for their works. Um, it could be a celebrity. It could be Paris Hilton. Doesn't matter. Anybody that's just a well-known figure. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, well, And no judgment if you pick by Paris Hilton, by the way. 
None at all. <laughs> Actually, there will be. <laughs> well, I'll preface by saying that my parents are celebrities for me, um, so I would pick them. But if I had to pick somebody that everyone knew, um, that's that's a tough one. Um, because, like, I, I look up to people not for, like, their parenting skills, but for their contributions <laughs> to society sure. or yeah, yeah, for, yeah. Uh, like, you know, whatever, like, something that they've done. Um, like, if you look at somebody, like, like to, to use, like, a, a contemporary person, like, if you look at, like, somebody like Steve Wozniak, who was obviously a brilliant programmer, but, like, he really, like, even after the fact, like, he's not involved with Apple anymore and he can retire on his islands or on his Segway. Um, but he still, you know, like he goes to events and he talks with people on the internet and he open sources stuff that he did 30 years ago so people can better understand it. Um, like he really loves teaching people and he really loves just like sharing what he knows because he knows he's a brilliant person and he doesn't want to waste it on himself. Um, so I... I would loosely choose him, um, and then I wouldn't even be able to guess, like, a mother figure. I would just say, like, I don't know. How about Angelina Jolie? Because she does all the good stuff. Or at least that's what the media tells me. I don't really know. I don't follow her stuff too much. I don't know. I think she's just doing it for the press. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I can really definitely think that see that. She has time for, for so many children. Like, I can't imagine <laughs> somebody who's, like, still such a influential celebrity can really give those kids everything that they need. I know who um, you, I, mean, I know who your mom should be. Beyonce. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll take Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Um no, she's I guess for whatever reason Beyonce is the shit right now. Um I saw like a joke it was like talking about Beyonce as a religion. It was really weird and the unfortunate part is it's probably loosely true. Um but no, so Okay, so it's going to be Wozniak and Beyonce. That'll be that would be an interesting set of parents. But well, that cool would be good for Wozniak anyway. Yeah. Oh man, talk about dating up. Um, <laughs> well, oh, I hope he's not listening. Yeah. Right. Well, that'd be awesome if you were listening. Um, Love you, Woz. Yeah. So, Wells, we appreciate your time. Why don't you? Yeah. Why don't you tell us um, where people can find you online? Uh, where they might be able to communicate with you if you want that, and then there's any talks you're doing coming up or anything you'd like to plug? Um, well, you can find me on Twitter. That's where I spend most of my time. Uh, my Twitter handle is just WR, like Wells Riley, for the first two letters. Um, if you want to like hang out in person, you can come to the office. Uh, just like give me a heads up on Twitter first. Uh, if you want to like grab coffee or something, I'm totally down. Um, the only thing I want to plug is just hack design because – you can never have too many people learning the, the value of of, uh, of design and, and learning to appreciate their, their design friends a little more. Um, so you can use the website. And we also have the meetups every couple of weeks here in San Francisco. So if you go to meetup.com, you can just search hack design and join. You know, it doesn't cost any money. You don't have to, like, trick somebody to give you an invitation. It's all free, and uh, you can come hang out and have uh, coffee and brunch stuff with us and all of our friends that's awesome well uh thanks for joining us on the start wells we appreciate it yeah thanks for having me dude thanks wells